Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Good morning, Stacey. How are you? I am well, John. I am enjoying a nice, very warm day in North Carolina, so home still for my my little break from the travel road here in July. And how about you? Are you home this week? I think you said you're traveling next week, though, aren't you? I'm, I'm, I am headed to two great things next week. I'm going to um, um, a, a conference that I go to every year that, that I think is the best conference of the year for me. It's called Mind the Product, and it is about product management. And it's done um, differently than than most of the things that, that I see. It's a um, one day... And one agenda, six speakers on the topic of the relationship between product management and company success. Yeah. And it's great. It's great. It's focused. Um, there's not choice. There's not milling around. There's not really a lot of networking. It is a pure educational sit in your chair and take notes day long conference at the state of the art and so so in product management you get the issues like interface design and usability and integration and um it's it's a very sort of meta view for hr technology very cool i'd i'll be interested when you when you go to this next week to see if they'll be talking more about no interface versus interface, right? Because the conversation that I'm hearing a lot more is that the idea of the computer basically and all of your technology being hidden behind the the life you want to live, right? So that will be interesting to see how much that comes up in something like that. Well, that's an interesting turn of a phrase, technology hidden behind the life you want to live. Give me another couple of bullets under that one. That's... That, that's that's almost a perfect subtitle for a New York Times bestseller, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there you go. That's right. <laughs> my next <laughs> my next book tour, right? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, when I when I when I hear, you know, partially because I think I was reading a lot of articles this week. Um, I've had a lot of time. My house has got fans and humidifiers, so I've been sort of relegated to one room in my house, which just left me to do a lot of reading. Um, and. I have been reading a lot of the backlash against technology, but when I really dig into a lot of those sort of the, especially in where you're at there in San Francisco, that area, the Bay Area, um, this pushback against technology is not getting rid of technology completely. When you dig into a lot of those conversations, it's just making it less um, in your face and something that you have to have available to them, um, making it more something where as I'm sort of going out and doing my, you know, outside living and, and enjoying my kayaking and, and you know, uh, cooking for my family. The technology is there to support those things you want to do, right? Um, it automatically gives you the information. Your refrigerator's talking, your stove's talking, your dishwasher's talking. It's, you know, allowing you to do the things you enjoy to do in an easier way, it seems. At least that's the conversation. That's what I'm getting out of all these articles I'm reading right now about the backlash of technology, right? So, so do you think that, that this is this is one of the questions I I keep running up against? Do you think that um, um, business technology needs to can 
operate in that same way. I get I get that my refrigerator can tell me I need a haircut. Um, um, but but the kinds of jobs where you have that level of understanding of what the job actually is are exactly the kinds of jobs that are going to be automated. Right? And so so when you think about what's going on in business software, um, I, I, I get that you can have all of your sort of user and interfaces inside of Slack so you don't have to have a lot of energy put into data entry um, and perhaps little bits of insight. But if you're actually going to do something like analytics against the HRIS, those things, I, I, I don't know how you get that embedded in the refrigerator. You know what I mean? You know, I'm not – yeah, it's it's not going to be easy, but I do think that it's got – much like um, – driverless cars are sort of being the, the 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 point is being pushed a bit not just because it's more efficient and there's all kinds of reasons why it's valuable for shipping and those kind of things but because there's a new generation of of um kids who aren't and aren't interested in getting their driver's license so it's sort of there i think there's a push there because you have a generation of people who are um in need of something that you know hasn't quite yet been built yet right and my sense will be that when the workers, you know, the next generation of workers get into work, um, they're not used to using the computer in many ways to get things done. They're used to asking their phones how to get things done. They're used to talking as a group about things and collaborating and having, you know, stuff being picked up, you know, in their household when they need to buy something, right? Well, why wouldn't my work environment work the same way? I need to order something. I want to tell the, you know, the, the board in my room or I want to order, you know, I want to collaborate as a team. Why shouldn't something be listening to all of my conversations and taking my notes for me and automatically putting it up there? Why should I have to touch the system as much, right? I, I get what you're saying that, you know, it's, it's definitely far off. It's not going to be tomorrow, but I think that's the direction that a, this next generation will push in. Well, let's 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 you know this is HR technology we're talking yeah. about. So let's let's take that a little further. In HR technology, you have every employee in the company has to touch it in some way, right? There's 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 data entry and queries about benefits and and all of the things that individual employees do in their interactions with HR. Then there's the work that the people in HR do. Right, and so if, if if I say, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world that that the user interface at the employee level needs to be um, embedded in the flow of work, that's great. But that isn't the primary interface. That is not the primary architecture of HR technology. Right, the 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 employee level user interface is not how you design the stuff. And so, so in the heart of the software, the people who actually use the software, it's not going to be designed in the way that it is designed for employees, right? And that's the, that's the thing. So you can be right about, about the interface being less of a hassle for the working person who interfaces mm-hmm. with the HR department. But but I don't see you, you you know the the admin level of the game, which is 
what most people who buy HR technology are actually thinking about. Um, I, I don't see how that does what you're talking about. Well, I, I, I get – well, I – I think you're correct in that, you know, we, we, if you take a look at any of the old applications or any existing applications, the administrative views, the administrative areas were the last and sometimes never updated to the new UX user experience, right, that we keep hearing about. That, that was, that's been the big mantra for the last five years. We need to have a better user experience so people will use the system. And what they found out was, mm, yeah, that didn't really happen either, right? <laughs> Even with a better user experience, the data wasn't getting into the system, right? So there's two things that administrators struggles with, getting the data into the system and then analyzing it and using it in some way, right? And so the first thing is to figure out how to get the data into the system better. That's the piece I think we're talking about at the end-user perspective. The second thing is how do I – make a or do a better job of taking that data and doing something with it that is meaningful to my company. Well, that's not as much about the user experience per se as it is about the analytics or the behind the scenes capabilities of that tool to connect data, right? So so uh, I don't I don't mean to be too too hard over mm-hmm. on this, but but what you just said is that it doesn't matter user experience doesn't have anything to do with the people who actually use the system all day. It only has to do with the people who use the system incidentally to enter data. That would be my take. Yeah, you can you can uh, you can disagree <clears throat> with me on that one, but I but I think that's definitely part of the part of the, the at least what we're seeing in the data. I'm seeing in the data in many cases, right? Okay. Well, well. So so that's I think that that opens the door to some really interesting um, ideas. Right. If 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 you're now sort of forking the development of the interfaces so that that the um, power user gets one kind of interface and the occasional user or the um, uh, not really part of the core HR function user um, gets another kind of interface. That that's interesting. That's interesting. And my bet, if you talk to some, it would be interesting. I, I'll, I'll, next time you do some of your demos, ask, especially of the older platforms, the ones who had screens and then moved, you know, had to change their multiple user interfaces a couple times. Newer guys don't get to this until they start sort of doing version after version, right? But ask them if their administrative user experience is the same or has always been the same as their end user user experience that's a good question i don't know the answer to it. thanks that's good yeah so so this is actually i think a topic that gets right into some of the stuff we've got going on this week there is a lot of news but i, I but it's all it's it's a, it's very disparate it's, it, there's a lot of stuff going on with investments um uh, we got a lot of um new products being launched and lots of conversation about artificial intelligence particularly in the space of um you know, how is it going to be used inside of these HR applications? There's a couple of interesting stories there. And then lots of updates on GDPR, which is at the heart of this, which is data privacy standards. How is that going to have an impact on the ability for all of this to connect? So it's been a busy week in the in the HR tech space, even though it's middle of July and a lot of people are on vacation. <laughs> so That's great. Um, so where do you want to start? You want to... <coughs> 
maybe we should just run through the headlines real quick um, uh, because because it is a lot of disparate stuff and includes I mean, there, there's a study from IDC that we could talk about the entire rest of the show that says um, uh, half of all AI projects fail. Yep. I picked that out just for you, John. <laughs> I thought that would definitely catch your introduction. But at the same time, we've got Ceridian launching their payroll in Australia, which means they're continuing to expand their global reach, right? We've got um, HR Benefits Tech, um, uh, Alight, acquiring Hodges and Mace, which um, benefits has become a really hot topic here in the States, um, but also internationally, when I was doing my sort of work in Singapore and Shanghai this year, I did get a lot of questions about, you know, where does benefits sit in the international market, right, when it's not a healthcare conversation, but there's a lot of other type of things that it goes into. So there's that going on right now with a lot of acquisitions going on there. Um, we also have OneTrust. I don't know if ever anybody follows the sort of data privacy space, but OneTrust is a technology that is supposed to help you evaluate and comply with your data privacy laws. Um, it raised $200 million um, at a $1.3 billion valuation to help companies comply with data privacy laws. So um, huge amount of investment and uh, belief in this data privacy software that many of the HR uh, professionals are using along with their IT professionals. Um, we're also seeing that um, there was a Series C funding for $23 million um, for, uh, with Insight Partners for um, – Oh boy, I'm, I'm, did I miss their their title here? It's a it's a company that's doing um, information sharing. Staffbase, sorry, Staffbase um, uh, is an organization that received 23 million dollars in Series C funding, and we can talk a little bit about that. I think they're um, located elsewhere. Viopta that I had mentioned earlier secured 7.5 million in Series B funding from their partners, and they're a software that listens to your meetings, John, and provides information on whether or not they're being productive and how to improve them. <laughs> um, and then we've got GDPR. The British Airways is slapped with a hefty $183 million um, euros fine for their GDPR uh, issues with data privacy stuff. Now, that's on the marketing side. Their customer data was um, – loosely managed and so they're getting slapped with fines for that but again the question becomes how quickly is that going to turn into your HR data and along with your IDC one in four companies are, are half of all AI projects fail so it's a been a busy week right yeah so so I'm, I'm not sure where to start with all of this stuff except to to it's worth saying that on the GDPR front mm -hmm. the loosest control of marketing data happens in the recruitment process right and so so it's it's hard to tell uh, if somebody says please don't write this this fine has to do with somebody asking not to be contacted and continuing to be contacted right that's what the uh, that's part of it and the other part is that they actually had a, a data hack on there they had their site open enough to get some data hacking and because they didn't basically secure their data well enough it's also part of that too got it got it well well so so nobody has control over the data inside the organization and the biggest single risk area is the recruiting um crm 
right? So there's there's nothing that I know of that when a um, person contacts the marketing department and says, "Please forget me," that 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 information is passed on to HR and there's some sort of accountability process. I've I've never seen a piece of software that does that. Yeah, that's a good point. I know that I, I can tell you in our company, I, I, I think there is some belief that if someone put their resume in. So, and again, this again, we would have to talk to your legal friends who are there uh, closely. Um, you know, if you put a resume in, does that mean that you have asked to be connected, or is is that part of the forget me process? If I ask marketing to forget me, does that mean I also have to ask recruiting to forget me? Right. Well, well, but but just just think about what you just said. The, the the idea that that I'm supposed to figure out how IBM works when I want it to forget mm-hmm. me. That's that's silly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the it's not my job to figure out how IBM works. It's IBM's job to figure out how they work, and or any other company. I just threw IBM out there for the for the hell of it. But but. But the question of whether or not marketing and HR are talking to each other shouldn't be my question if I want you to forget me. It should be your question if I want you to forget me. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so that 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 will that will be the the disconnect between the various organizational silos at the C level will start to pop up into these things and, and HR. Um, it's it's the wild west in the recruiting department. It will be, but I think this is why someone like a One Trust, which has been around for quite some time, but now all of a sudden is getting a new wave of interest, just received two hundred million dollars in funding, right, from Insight Partners. Um, you know, if you take a look at what their tools are, um, you wouldn't consider them traditional HR tools, but I think they really are these days. It, they have uh, assessments for assessing where your gaps are. They have maturity planning and program benchmarking, all that stuff you would expect. But they also have, you know, targeted data discovery. Where, what, where's that data at? And, and data mapping automation, consent management tools. So who has consented, who is not, right? You know, cookie compliance, mobile app compliance, preference management tools. Um, these are all things that we were just talking about. The question is, does it reach into as far as the HR systems? I think the answer is yes, if they're looking at the entire company, right? Well, so and this, this is a technology. This, this ends up being so. So I think it's your data that says that thirty percent of um, enterprise scale companies use HR to manage privacy um, for for uh, people data. Right, that 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 HR is the security place there. Um, yeah, this raises. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 this raises the question of whether or not there's instead of there being um, a sort of a uh, an HR IT department, if there shouldn't be just one IT department that that handles all of the data from everywhere inside of the company. Well, and that's a conversation I think that a lot of organizations are having. I I didn't put it in the the conversation to talk about today, but there was a couple of of recent big sort of news sort of businesses around the the growing role of the chief data officer, right, which is part of um, one of the requirements of GDPR is that you have someone in your organization who's held accountable to data management, right? Um, 
So, yeah, no, I think this is a, a conversation. Where does that get held and who is ultimately held accountable to it, right? I don't think that alleviates HR's role, even if they do have a chief data officer or a central location. In some cases, it might elevate HR's expectations for being uh, aware of what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. No more rogue recruiting softwares, no more individual learning applications, right? All of that has to be aware of, tracked, and managed, right? Interesting, interesting. So what else is in the pile? Well, I mean, we did get this update from Ceridian uh, launching their uh, Australia payroll. This is actually pretty big because Ceridian is, I mean, they've been Canadian and U.S. pretty heavily as far as their application goes. I don't know they've gone outside of that from an international perspective. Launching into Australia is a pretty big announcement for them. Uh, do you think that, you know, is this just, you know, we're going to go to the other English-speaking regions, basically? Is this, is this the, the next play for Ceridian at this, or is there something else behind this? No, I think it's I think it's that simple. Ceridian is is doing the logical expansions. It, it's and and you know now that they're public now that they're public, very consistent growth in very obvious markets is how they're going to make their yeah. decisions. So we can so, expect them to follow the path that we've seen with many of the other vendors who have gone this route from expanding internationally, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Which will actually be interesting to see because that's definitely the growth, at least from our data set, is, is showing more growth in Europe and Asia Pacific right now than the U.S., particularly for payroll and core HRMS. So, so not a not an incorrect direction to head. Um, the other one I thought that was sort of interesting was this this acquisition by Alight. So, for those who may don't know Alight, Alight was what used to be Aon Hewitt. And Aon Hewitt did services and consulting in benefits administration, as well as they had some series of benefits technology. They had purchased several sort of small, new, what you would consider wellness and, and engagement platforms, right? So they've had a, a, a big mix, sort of like the RPOs on some level of sort of outsourcing and managing benefits and benefit services and technology, right? So a lot of that similar sort of model, a lot of acquisition going on in this space. And this is sort of a, a really good example showing of the, the, the number of agency mergers and acquisitions that have gone up in the last sort of 15 years. And they, so there's been this particular um, article talked about 626 different um, agency mergers and acquisitions in you know you know 2018. Um, now a lot of these are small little benefits providers and small little benefit software. Um, Hodges Mace is much more focused on I would say mid market or SMB benefits, where Alight and Aon Hewitt were focused on much larger benefits acquisition technologies and larger benefit conversations with larger companies. So this might just be a mixture of going mid market and for the, um, getting mid-market into a organization that focuses primarily on uh, the largest companies. But to me, this is, I think the benefits software wellness space is definitely an area where we're going to see a lot of conversation. Right now, I get, I get questions randomly from people on a pretty regular basis, and I would say about a quarter to maybe even a half this year have been about benefits technology and what people are doing with their benefits technology. It's not a well-understood space right now. That's interesting. So I'm, I'm looking at the chart inside of this, inside of this article. Um, um, it shows, let's see, over 2,000 mergers in the last five years. 
Yeah. Almost 2,500. Now, now, what the hell are they talking about? Um, <laughs> what is what, what are the 2,500 things that merged? Um, so, um, consultants, <clears throat> brokers, all those people in the benefits space who do both consulting and brokerages. So, so, so if I've got a little insurance company with two employees and we handle benefits for 10 or 15 companies in the neighborhood and I get bought by somebody, that's counted in these numbers. Yes, that, I think that's part of it. But I believe, <coughs> I, I can't say for sure, I would have to go and dig into the numbers, but I believe that's some of that, yes. That's why there's so many. I see, I see. But so the, have- the, the mom and pop shop is being... Replaced by large national brands. Yes, exactly, is what's happening here. And and they and they know that you know a light has in the last um, a few years purchased. They've got like six mentioned here. So Hodges, Michael, um, Future Knowledge, Compass Professional Health Services, Carlson Management Consulting, um, and the Workday and Cornerstone On Demand business of Wipro. Right. So they've acquired different levels of technology along with all of those. So it's not just brokerages. So I think that's something to be aware of. This this is much more of, a, I think, a technology and services play than it is just a conversation about merging different, you know, service offerings, right? Well, there's a whole <clears> – <throat> I wonder if anybody's covering this area. There's a whole – if there are really 2,500 mergers and acquisitions, there's a, there's a, a business for an analyst firm. I would say so. I know a few who have, who are uh, uh, trying to cover this space, but I don't know that anybody is doing it really, really well. But, yeah, so this is – from a technology perspective, I know there's one benefits uh, conference that gets done. I think LRP puts it on every year. There's a couple of outsourcing conferences that cover this. Um, there is – I know Gartner covers this a little bit in some sense, but usually it's only covered at the highest level, and then a lot of people are using local sort of – HR advisors in this space, right? So, um, yeah, so this is a space that's, I think, uh, we'll see more because as this grows and these organizations consolidate, that means bigger vendors, bigger sort of marketing budgets, right, which is what happened in all of the tech- other technology areas. And I would assume probably more focus on technology because we saw that happen with a lot of the other consulting firms that merged into technology businesses, right? Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to have to puzzle this one out a little bit more. You know, I've been paying such close attention to the intelligent tools industry that I haven't really spent time thinking about this area for a while. Yeah. Well, we'll be having some more data in this. We actually asked a few more questions this year in the survey about it. We're going to get some data on what percentage of organizations are outsourcing fully versus partially outsourcing, and when they do outsource, what services are they getting with it? Um, both voluntary um, uh, services and not. And so uh, this is an area, um, Amy Gerchetsky, who is my new analyst, uh, she does know because she did used to do research in this space. And so we'll have a little bit of update, but that's not exactly why I'm bringing it up here. The, The main reason, I think, is because we've seen this as an area where people don't have data, which is why we added it to the survey more than anything this year. But it is definitely a space where I think something's changing and I don't know it well enough to really say what's changing yet, right? Yep, there's a lot there's a lot of change going on because the benefits area um 
is becoming <clears throat> technology providers with a different business model than the rest of the technology business has. So yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Right, right, and and so so it's in the interest of benefits providers to give their clients as much HR technology as they can, because the benefits business is so profitable. Yeah. And so you get you get locked in if if you if I provide you with your HRIS and your recruiting software and your performance management software um, in exchange for your benefits business. In order to get a new benefits provider, you have to get rid of all of your embedded technology, right? So, so it's correct. much hard, much harder to get out of the contract, and uh, that's interesting. I got one more for you that is pretty interesting. There's a company called Candidate ID that yeah. is doing its next round of fundraising online. And they're trying to raise the money from people who work in the business, right? So Candidate yeah. ID, Candidate ID, and they have customers like IBM and Thermo Fisher. Um, um, they are, if if you look up Candidate ID um, on Google, um, what you'll find is that is that this company is offering recruiters and recruiting managers the opportunity to invest in them. Um, I have no idea whether that's legit. I, I, I don't know anything about this, but I've never seen it before. Yeah. Is there, there would seem like there would be some legal ramifications with that sort of, so then do I buy the company that I have investment? Isn't there some ethical things I would think be in there, but that's interesting, right? It's interesting. Yeah, I, I I haven't processed the um, ethical ramifications of this, but it's it's crowdsourcing with a target market, and yeah. um, I'm seeing more and more of the alternative fundraising model for companies that are trying to grow. So, so this is just an interesting thing. That's candidate ID. Yeah, no, that's definitely so. And and I don't know. I mean, I think your conversation about alternative funding models, that's actually probably worth a whole other conversation at some point down the road for us because um how organizations are getting funding is changing as well. I was as there's a lot of you know, the angel funding, the 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 sort of investment firms, the venture capitals, even the the private equity firms are, are sort of acting differently, it seems, on some level, right? Um, so that would be an interesting show for us to really talk about what's happening in that space a little bit and, and what it what it means when you buy into a company that's being funded in one way versus another, right, for your application software. Yep. So we are through another half hour. Yes. Great, great conversation again. Thanks for doing this, Stacey. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. We'll see you here next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye.